This is Education Matters, brought to you by the Ohio Education Association. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Education Matters. I'm Katie Olmstead, part of the communications team for the Ohio Education Association. I don't have to tell you, this past year has been incredibly hard on Ohio's students, on Ohio's communities, and on the more than 120,000 K-12 teachers, education support professionals, and higher ed faculty members represented by the OEA. Still, as our members adapt to the challenges, I am filled with admiration every single day. They never lose sight of their mission to reach and teach our kids, and they never waver in their dedication to their students. Case in point... Chris Williams, an intervention specialist in Columbus who works with second and third graders. Throughout this whole COVID-19 ordeal, he has continued to be an advocate for Ohio students and a paragon of compassion. He wanted to get his perspective. Chris, thank you so much for joining us for this edition of Education Matters. I want to check in with you. We're a year into the pandemic now. How are you holding up? Well, thank you for having me on. I'm a big fan. I listen every week, so I'm, I'm honored to be um, one of the guests. So thanks for having me. Um, I am hanging in there. That's that's how I'm answering now. Um, instead of just saying I'm good, how are you? I'm hanging in there. It's been it's been a challenging year, to put it lightly. The students are always the equalizer. They have a way of kind of grounding me. So we've just recently shifted into. Um, a hybrid model. So getting to see them excited to be in the buildings um, has really kind of given us all a second wind. So I'm hanging in there. Thanks for for asking. How has the COVID-19 situation affected your education style? What are the challenges and have you found opportunities in this? I would say one big lesson I keep sharing is how much we've leaned on families and how important that relationship really is. I am communicating with families way more than I ever would have in previous years Um, out of necessity, but it's really taught me how valuable that relationship really is. Um, In a lot of senses with with our students, we've spent most of the year co-teaching with them. They, a lot of our students really depend on they're grownups at home to help them get on, get where they need to be, get set up um, the best they can. So that has been such a valuable lesson. And I feel like we've really, really done it together. So that has been a major takeaway. And then obviously the technology piece, we really scrambled last spring to get everything that our students needed. But I think the lesson there is that we really need to from the get-go, really set up our students to have everything they need for whatever potentially could happen um, during a given school year. And the the group of students you work with as an intervention specialist, they have a, a set of needs beyond what a lot of students are dealing with in this pandemic. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Yes. Our, our school is really unique. It is... I would say it's the best you just had to be there story ever told. Um, people come to visit our school and they... I mean, it seriously is such an amazing, amazing environment. We have about 50% of our school are students with orthopedic impairments. So they come from all over the city of Columbus. Um, And then the other 50% are our general ed students, mostly just from the neighborhood. So our students, um, a lot of them, like I said, have orthopedic impairments. So they 
or complex communication needs. So they might depend on um, a walker, a wheelchair, uh, a communication device to communicate their, you know, what they're telling us and, and their needs and their wants and, um, and participate in that way. So it has definitely made for just a really interesting year. We've had to get really creative. And like I mentioned earlier, just really leaning on families and collaborating so much um, with them has really been key for us. Do you feel like your students are still learning though? There's this narrative in the public that remote learning has failed many students. But I'm also hearing from so many educators who are in the trenches every day who are seeing their students succeed with these models and they don't agree with that assessment. I, I don't feel that way either. They are learning. Um, it may be harder to capture in on a standardized test, but I feel like that's kind of always the story with a lot of our students. Um, so yes, they are still learning and they are extremely they, they adapt very well. They're very resilient. That just is their nature already. So yes, they're still learning. Um, it looks different, but yeah, I, I think, you know, we've said from the beginning, we're all in this together. And I feel like just to emphasize the point you made that yes, students have learned. It's been a crazy year for everybody, but they have persevered and I'm, I'm proud of them. And I love that you touched on the resiliency. I have been in awe of the students and how resilient they've been this year. And I've been in awe of our educators. Chris, I'm not going to lie. I stalk you on social media (laughs) and you are such a passionate person. Even when it's hard, you are so passionate. How do you maintain that? Uh, Well, thank you for for saying that. Um, I appreciate that. I honestly, I feel like I get a lot of it again from our students. I, I've shared in some some writings, um, I, I call them jar moments, where you know so much happens so quickly in school, and, and like I've described our school, it's such a special special place um, that I try really hard to capture those, you know, mental images of. I remember the first time I thought about it, it was a student's birthday, and she came into school wearing a crown, and she was turning eight, and she'd been talking about it for weeks, and I just thought to myself if I could just bottle this moment up just to pull out on a rainy day to remember that joy, they have a way of inviting all of us into something really, really special. Um, And they've continued to do that on Zoom, um, from a distance in the building and just throughout all of this. Do those jar moments help you get through when days are tough and, and you're getting frustrated with how it's all going? They do. They're, they're grounding. It's why I, I remember when I first started teaching, I kept a journal and I still do. Um, and I like to write down a lot of the stories of what's happening and what is, you know, impacting me as an educator and happening in our class. And I just also just to write down those moments that you may, like I said, so much happens. You may otherwise, you know, time passes and just to have that as such a vivid uh, memory of all those special spaces we've shared and things that have happened, um, they are definitely very sustaining. And one of the ones, those jar moments that you've shared on your blog, it has really stuck with me. It brought me 
just so much joy. Talking about one of your students who had a birthday party, that seems to be a common theme with your jar moments. (laughs) Um, And his whole family was able to enjoy this day. And you got a glimpse into his life. Can you tell me that story? Yes, gladly. It's such a favorite. Um, I was actually looking back, uh, just kind of reflecting because we're almost a year in, like you said, and just looking at things I've written down and remembered um, and just old stories. So this was a student I had two school years ago now, and he was just such a, I mean, just such a blast, an amazing, amazing kid. Um, And it was his birthday in in the winter. And I just sent a note home and we do birthdays big. I mean, we really celebrate. It looks different now. We do a personalized Bitmoji classroom celebration um, now, but back when we, you know, this was in early 2019. So it was his birthday and I just sent a note home, you know, saying that we would be celebrating um, during the afternoon. Everyone's welcome. Um, We're going to have pizza and um, cupcakes and and all that. And so his entire family came, I mean, mom, dad, sister, um, infant brother, and grandma, grandpa, cousins, aunt and uncle. It was just, and, and this student too, he had um, kind of a ever-growing vocabulary. And so he would always say Papa. And we didn't, we were just kind of learning throughout the year, like what was he associating that with, with someone in particular? And um, when his grandpa came that day, he looked at him and said, Papa. And his grandpa picked him up and hugged him and kissed him. And he sat on his lap and there was just something different in his eyes. I was like, that's, that's who he has been telling us about. It was such a special moment. And I just, I looked around and, and tried to just kind of really lean into the moment that in that room, there were so many people there to celebrate him. And there were at least, I mean, there were at least three countries of origin represented, at least three different native languages spoken. Um, just such a, I just couldn't believe how lucky I was to be in that space and get to say that I am, I am his teacher. And, and it was just, just the collective joy that I talked about in that was so palpable and so memorable. I want to talk about another one of your students. You recently were part of testimony for the State Board of Education for Public Schools Week. And you shared a little bit about one of your students who was a refugee from Somalia. What did you want the Board of Education to hear about that student in particular and why share that story? Yes, yeah, so we have um, often had refugee students come and, and, and often too, we're their first school experience. Um, and I try to just paint the picture that school buildings are such sacred places and so many stories are colliding and so many different experiences are coming in and that they really should be places we really should give students everything they need and more, um, especially if we are, we're talking about people who have come from so many different um, situations and been through so much. And if we're going to meet them every day and be, you know, if they're going to fill the spaces in our classrooms, then they deserve, they deserve, um, 
adequate funding and they deserve the materials they need and for their buildings to be in conditions that fit their needs. And um, just, just trying to paint that picture of just what an honor that is and how we should really advocate for them in every way. And that story also stuck with me because that, that student in particular had been through so much. How does that affect the way you have relationships with these kids, knowing some of their backgrounds are, are very difficult? Yeah, he had, and he, and, and it's funny now, he is a middle school student. And um, something I mentioned in that uh, testimony was how he called me on my birthday and he said, it's a very special day. Do you know what day it is? Um, and so I just think there's a real kinship there. And it just, if anything, reinforces how we have to give our best every day, even when it's hard. Um, and, and they just have a way of everything that's happening out there, you know, during a certain given day, I feel like once they are with us and once they are, you know, they are our focus for the day, it really just trying to be as present um, and available as possible can really, um, be grounding and also just reinforce that, that we, you know, owe them our best every day. It is clear that your students have a tremendous impact on you. Do you think there are lessons you have learned from them that have helped you get through the challenges of the pandemic or or even just made you a better teacher in general? I think for sure. Yes. Those little moments where, you know, we've been in zoom, let's say there this, this past fall, we had been doing Zoom school for a while. And we had a a student who was um, just seeming like having a tough day. Uh, But I heard him say something that I, that he had played FIFA as a video game. And I, and I kind of was like, Oh, I, I know what you're talking about. FIFA, the video game, the soccer game. And we ended up just connecting on that piece. Um, But it just was another reminder of it. And he just lit up and it was kind of that one connection we needed to make to kind of, get to that next level. So the, the point being like those little moments um, where that, you know, connection is made or where um, just to be moved by their experience um, is something that is, is really impactful. Do you have advice for other educators to help them find those jar moments and, and really be present in those jar moments? I always tell new teachers to keep a journal in your desk. Um, And then whatever you need to do to try to remain present. Like I think there was, there was a a student at the beginning of last year too, who would come into our class every day and she would ask, what do we get to do today? And I thought the way that she said that was such an invitation to me and not just in my teaching life, but in, in my life in general, what do we get to do today? So I think approaching the day like that, rather than, oh my gosh, you know, another meeting, another this, another thing we have to do, what is it we get to do today? Um, Because the years just fly by and those really special moments happen, you know, every once in a while, but to be present to everything we get to do um, and that it is all a gift in general, I think helps me. And I've definitely learned that from my students. Gratitude sounds like it's a big part of that. Is it hard to be grateful some days though? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's been a hard, hard year 
And even in a, you know, normal, quote unquote, normal school year, a lot of hard, I mean, hard things happen. Um, but I do think, I do think it has been hard at times, um, especially it's been a year of a lot of grief, um, a lot of loss, a lot of pain for a lot of people. So it's hard, but I think the invitation is still there to be available to what is happening right now, right here and right now, um, and just be present to that. The things you described, the grief, the loss, the pain, that's not just the pandemic. I, again, stalk you on social media, and you are very passionate about racial justice and social justice. Talk to me a little bit about why that's so important to you, and especially how that impacts your work with your students. Yeah, thank you for that. That is such an important question. And I think I, again, when I first started teaching, I just wasn't asking the same questions that I'm asking now or seeing the same things that I'm, I feel like there was such an intersection in my work where I realized that, you know, whether it was political rhetoric or just the way that these matters impact students in, in our classrooms, I feel like I had a real learning curve and, and, and I come from just an immensely privileged background um, and that I owe it to. There's a great quote. Um, it was from, I think his name is William Wilberford. I may butcher it, but he was an abolitionist in the transatlantic slave trade. And he said, let it not be said that I was silent when they needed me. And that has really stuck with me um, and that is something I just try to do because everything happening out there, again, it impacts everything happening in here in our, with our, in our schools and with our students. So I do think it is important to be vocal when it's time to be vocal and to um, leverage any privilege that we might have um, for, you know, for those who, who don't have it. But it just always feels like such an uphill battle. How do you stay passionate? Continuing to learn, um, being dedicated to our learning and our growing just as people. Um, I'm really grateful for my school community. It's such a, I think one of the ways I would describe them is other than a big family, but um, people that are dedicated to being the best they can for, for our students. And then I'm part of a early career educator group, uh, one, Ohio's New Educators through OEA, as you know, and um, they are, that has been such a source of inspiration. Um, anytime I look up, someone's testifying on a bill and someone is uh, protesting and someone, there's just so many things, so many ways that those educators are trying to impact uh, their communities. And I can just draw from those around me, even when, you know, we're feeling burnt out or tired. There are always people to kind of pick you back up, whether it is the students um, or, or the other folks I mentioned. And it sounds like passion feeds passion. Yes, for sure. It's contagious. I mean, like I've, I've, I've told people, if all world leaders came to recess at my school for one day together, there would be no, there would be no war. There would be no violence in the world like this. I do think looking to kids and how they are with one another and then getting to work with them with a bunch of people very committed to their growth and their success. Really, it, yeah, it is, it is contagious. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing your perspective and for sharing your passion. 
Thank you so much for having me and for the great questions. For more on some of those jar moments Chris was talking about, you can check out his blog or find him on social media. The links are in the show notes for this episode. You can also connect with the Ohio Education Association on social media. Our handle is at OhioEA on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you by email, too. You can reach us at educationmatters at ohea.org with your ideas for other episodes and your feedback. And make sure you don't miss an episode of Education Matters in the future. Subscribe now. Until next time, stay well. Thank you.